Welcome to Linda's Corner, a podcast created to inspire hope, increase joy, and motivate positive change. Hi, my name is Linda Bjork. I'm an author, teacher, speaker, blogger, and founder and executive director of Hope for Healing, which is a nonprofit charity designed to help alleviate symptoms of depression and anxiety, relieve stress, build confidence and self esteem, and heal relationships. You can learn more by visiting our website at hopeforhealingfoundation.org. For today's episode, I'm going to share a segment from one of my books called Crushed. If you're joining us for the first time, I would suggest that you start at the first podcast, since stories tend to make more sense when you read them, or listen to them, in order from the beginning to the end. Chapter 39 The Fake Ending I ran a 5K with my daughters yesterday. I use the word ran because that is the standard verbiage associated with races and not because there was a lot of actual running involved. My brother ran a 100K once. He and his wife find marathons refreshing, especially if they go through beautiful mountain scenery along dirt pathways. I, on the other hand, loathe running and jogging with a fiery passion. I'm not opposed to physical activity. I thoroughly enjoy my daily 10-mile circuit along the Jordan River Parkway on my comfortable recumbent bicycle. I love the sight of ducks swimming along the gently flowing river lined with trees, the sweet smell of the blonde grasses, the sound of the birds, and the feel of the soft breeze as I pedal along. It feeds my soul. It is exercise that doesn't feel like exercising. Jogging, on the other hand, is exercise that hurts me, and I avoid it whenever possible. Prior to yesterday, I had participated in exactly two 5K runs, and after the second, decided I would never do it again. Therefore, I was less than enthusiastic when my daughter suggested that all the ladies in the family participate in an upcoming 5K. My training consisted of jogging for a single mile, on a single day, which reminded me of all the reasons why I hate jogging. Then, I went back to riding my bike and hoped she would forget all about it. She did not. The morning of the run dawned bright and sunny, promising a hot day ahead. My three lovely daughters, one of whom has a two-month-old baby and suggested this monstrous activity, gathered at my home and we traveled to the starting point together. As we began jogging along with the throngs of other runners, it didn't take very long before I was overcome with nausea and needed to slow to a walk. I was embarrassed, but it was either that or throw up all over the imminent parade route, and I didn't think anyone would appreciate that outcome. I remembered a recent Facebook post by a friend who walked a 5K recently. She observed that it took her 55 minutes to complete the task whereas the last time she participated in a 5K, she jogged and took 45 minutes. That's only a 10-minute difference, she said. I am converted to the idea of walking. Remembering her words comforted me. People have walked through these before, and they didn't die of shame. I'm going to be okay. After a while, I recovered enough to jog along for another section and continued until the nausea once again overcame me. 
My sweet daughters stayed with me, even though they could easily have left me behind. After a while, I began calling out mini goals. Okay, I'm going to start jogging again at that sign and go until I reach that lamppost. We completed the mini task and walked again until I was ready for the next mini task. We continued along in this manner, slowly but surely progressing toward our goal of finishing. When we finally passed under the decorative metal archway that was obviously the Arc de Triumph finish line, we gave each other high fives. It was a bit anticlimactic since we were far from the first to finish, and there were now people milling about preparing for the upcoming parade. But we didn't mind. I was a little surprised that I didn't see a time clock to show runners the amount of time that it took to complete the run. But it really didn't matter since we clearly weren't racing. We rested on the cool lawn under the shade of a large tree. We drank our water bottles and talked of the plans for the rest of the day. After recovering sufficiently, we took a picture to record the event and began the long walk towards the car. My daughter needed to get back to her baby, so we didn't have time to enjoy the parade. After a short walk, we saw a sign that said, Three Mile Mark. Wait, what? I thought we were done. Didn't we already cross the finish line? Apparently not. How embarrassing. How did we mess that one up? It made me think of one of my favorite bumper stickers. Sometimes you see stickers on cars that say 26.2 to indicate that the owner has run a marathon. But this one said 27.5 with the added explanation, I got lost. I thought it was very funny, but I never thought anything like that could actually happen. Oh, well. Okay, I called out. The next goal is from here to the finish line, if we can find it. We jogged the last stretch and passed the actual finish line. Our time was 48 minutes. I have no idea what it would have been if we hadn't stopped and practically taken a nap first. My underprepared body was aching, and when I undressed to take a shower, I discovered that my socks were bloody and my feet had blisters. But I had a smile on my face and a twinkle in my eye as I limped along. Of the three 5Ks I have done, this one was the most enjoyable. I had the support of my family and the discovery that I could use mini goals to achieve a greater goal helped make the ordeal more manageable. I could do that again, but I should probably buy a different pair of shoes first. I didn't mean for the run to be a metaphor for my journey, but I couldn't help but notice the similarities. This was something that was very hard for me, and I didn't want to do it. Having support really helped, and the idea of mini goals encourages me. It's okay if I have to slow down and take a breath. I just need to keep moving forward. The bloody feet and the fake ending also applied. I thought I had arrived after the last epic battles conquering my enmity with God and my husband. I assumed it would be smooth sailing after that, but it's still painful, and the challenges keep coming. I have begun to share this journal with extended family and friends, and it is absolutely terrifying as I peel off my armor and stand metaphorically naked and vulnerable before a crowd. It's worse than that dream where you show up at school in your underwear. I can't take it back. 
Once people have seen me for what I really am, I cannot pretend to be anything else. Although the majority of responses have been overwhelmingly positive, it hasn't been unanimous. I deeply appreciate the comments of those who have said that reading this is helping them see themselves in a new light and is a catalyst for healing. It confirms that this is something I am supposed to be doing, and I'm sacrificing myself for a greater good. However, the negative comments tear into my soul as they suggest a confirmation of my old beliefs that I should be hiding rather than sharing. I'm going to need to grow some thicker skin. I am adding another song to my repertoire. It's called Believer by Imagine Dragons. I love the words which speak, among other things, of the growth and beauty that come through pain. But it's also so fun to blast out the music and sing along. Imagine Dragons is a master of the pregnant pause that intake of breath where you know something big is coming next. It's like riding a roller coaster and coming to the top of that very first hill, and it pauses at the top just before you plummet down the tracks toward the loop-de-loop. That's how I feel right now, as I know that this journal is nearing its completion, and it's nearly time to begin sharing with a wider audience. I'm frightened of what will happen next. Some of the lyrics are as follows. First things first, I'ma say all the words inside my head. I'm fired up and tired of the way that things have been, oh, oh. The way that things have been, oh, oh. Second, don't you tell me what you think I can be. I'm the one at the sale. I'm the master of my sea, oh, oh. The master of my sea, oh, oh. I was broken from a young age, taking my soul into the masses, writing my poems for the few that looked at me, took to me, shook to me, feeling me. Singing from heartache, from the pain, taking up my message from the veins, speaking my lesson from the brain, seeing the beauty through the pain. You made me a, you made me a believer, believer. You break me down, you build me up. Believer, believer, I let the bullets fly, oh, let them rain. My luck, my love, my God, they came from pain. You made me a, you made me a believer, believer. Third things third, send a prayer to the ones up above. All the hate that you've heard has turned your spirit to a dove, oh, oh. Your spirit up above, oh, oh. I was choking in the crowd, living my brain up in the cloud, falling like ashes to the ground, hoping my feelings they would drown. But they never did. Ever lived, ebbing and flowing, inhibited, limited, till it broke up and it rained down. It rained down like pain. Chapter 40. I Have to Do It. In today's Body Code session with Suzanne, she addressed some of the new issues to help me get through them so I can carry on. Some of the fresh emotions we needed to address were shame, worthless, depression, taken for granted, shock, and indecisiveness. These are my go-to emotions out of habit. It is so hard trying to create a new idea of myself. 
My misguided subconscious believes these emotions to be true and safe since they are familiar and comfortable. Anything else must be a threat to my safety. This reprogramming of my subconscious programs is going to take some time and a lot more effort. I know today is a body code session and we don't have a lot of time, Suzanne said, but we need to take a few minutes to do a little more mentoring to help you get through this new phase. Okay, I said. I also wanted to ask you something, she added. At our family barbecue yesterday, you left early and didn't say goodbye. Was it because you were feeling uncomfortable and needed to escape? Now that I have let her read this journal, she knows the things I have been hiding and holding back. I will never be able to get by on half-truths again. She expects the whole story now. Yes, that was part of it, I admitted. I have sent out my journal to extended family and friends, and I know that some people are reading about me, but no one has spoken to me. I feel like the emperor parading through the streets naked, and people are afraid to admit what they see. I am exposed, and I'm scared. Have people responded to your story at all? She inquired. Yes, I've received some beautiful, heartfelt letters telling me that my experiences, although different from theirs, resonated with them and are helping them heal from their own situations, I said. But not all the responses have been positive. One person that I care about wrote a letter which I interpreted to mean, don't do this. You're not qualified. Leave it to the experts who know more than you do. Followed with a warning that if I continue, that I will hurt people's feelings and cause irreparable damage. It hit every tender nerve. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I should be ashamed and humiliated for trying. And the worst thought of all is that I could hurt people. My greatest desire is to help, not hurt. Don't let it get to you, she said. You have made yourself vulnerable. And that's a good thing. You cannot heal until you allow yourself to be vulnerable. However, I need to warn you that there will be little voices inside your head that will try to rip you apart. If you let any of them in through the cracks, it will be like blood in the water and the sharks will attack. You will need to work extra hard to build yourself up and don't allow worry to enter your mind. Your subconscious is trying to keep you safe and comfortable. It will try to stop you because it's not safe and you might die. But your subconscious is wrong and it will all be worth it. You know you're doing the right thing, don't you? Yes, I said. I need to warn you about something else, Suzanne continued. It is often the people closest to us who will try to hold us back. They often do it out of love and concern. They are trying to protect you in the same way that the subconscious is trying to protect you. They do it because they are also coming from a place of misguided subconscious programming. When I told mom about the women's retreat that I was planning, she continued, she said, you can't do that. You can't expect women to pay to stay with you in a condo. They won't come and listen to you teach them. It will never work. I finally had to stop her by saying, it's okay if you don't want to be a part of this, but this is what I am supposed to be doing 
and I am going to do it. Oh, I gasped. I didn't know that. She came over and sounded all excited about it and wanted me to come. I never would have guessed that she responded to you that way. Of course you know that Mom joined me wholeheartedly the very next day, and she helped me present at the retreat, Suzanne added. It's just that her first reaction was to protect me from doing something I'd never attempted before. It's like that wall we talked about on our first session that is between us and our goals. What's on the other side is unfamiliar, unpredictable, and therefore seems quite unsafe. She was simply trying to protect her daughter. Thank you for holding firm and going forward to do it anyway, I said. You saved me when I thought there was no hope. I now know that my women's retreat was created for you, she said with emotion in her voice. I didn't know it then. I had no idea why I felt so driven. I only knew that I had to do it. And so, dear reader, although I'm terrified, I'm sharing this with you anyway. Perhaps it is for you. I don't know. I only know that I have to do it. Best wishes, Linda Bjork. Epilogue. More time has passed. Not a lot of time, according to the calendar, but it feels like a lifetime. As I read through this journal, it is as if I am reading about a stranger. I am now a different person. I am at peace with myself. I can even honestly say that I love my body. I haven't lost weight or had a miraculous makeover, but I see things differently. If the body and spirit together make the soul, then my body is a necessary companion to fulfill my mission on earth. When I'm done with this body, that means I'm dead. I figured that I should probably make peace with this companion and become allies rather than being constantly at odds. My body does a pretty good job. I think we can be friends. I am at peace in my relationships. I love my husband. I love my mom. I love my kids. We're all good. Interesting things are happening. As I am healing, my relationships and the people around me are also healing. I always knew that illness could spread, but I did not know that healing could spread. It is beautiful. On the same day, ages ago, that I felt impressed that I needed to record and share this journal, I had a second impression that I needed to start a nonprofit charitable organization to help others. I didn't have a clue how to do that, but I did it anyway, and Hope for Healing was born. Hope for Healing is a nonprofit charitable organization dedicated to helping individuals, marriages, families, and communities heal by assisting those who are willing to change, educate, and heal themselves. It provides encouragement, information, and resources for personal growth and healing, as well as offering scholarships to assist people on their journey. I invite people everywhere to join in the journey. Come on in. The water is fine. It is better than fine. I once wondered if it was going to be worth it. And now I can answer unequivocally that it is. 
In the past, I craved praise and recognition from others. And yet, ironically, whenever I received it, I dismissed the compliments as being untrue. I didn't realize I was doing that until Suzanne mentioned something in a mentoring session. She was explaining that personal progress is personal, meaning that how I view myself and my contributions is a personal matter. Waiting for other people to dictate and validate our worth doesn't make any sense. When it comes to me and my self-worth, my opinion is really the only opinion that matters. It was as if someone drew up the shades on the windows of my mind and allowed the light to enter. Oh, I said, I'm allowed to be my own cheerleader? I've always looked to other people to tell me that I am of value. I thought for a moment and then added, and yet, whenever people praise me or give me compliments, I always reject them. What a stupid plan. I rely on others to build me up, which may or may not even happen. But even when it does, I reject it. That is a model that could never work. It can only fail. No wonder I was so frustrated. Suzanne smiled at my epiphany. I'm letting go of my hopeless and inherently flawed model of relying on other people for validation. And my peace and confidence are increasing proportionally. Each day, as part of my morning routine, I repeat, I am surrounded by the love of God and His acceptance. I am filled with the love of God and His acceptance. My confidence and self-worth come from the love of God and His acceptance. That is my new and improved choice for a source of validation. That visualization where I met with the Savior and allowed Him to take my burdens, which was once so uncomfortable and awful, is now a daily habit. As I gratefully and willingly give my burdens to the Lord, He heals them and we embrace. Tears run down my cheeks as I both apologize and thank Him. I am so sorry to have added to your burden. I am so sorry to have caused you pain and suffering. And yet I am so grateful that you're willing to take them. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for saving me. To which he daily replies, You are worth it because I love you. When I first shared this journal with my daughter-in-law, she directed me to a song in reply. It is by Stars Go Dim and is titled You Are Loved. I share it as a conclusion and final message to you. We hide pain in the weirdest places. Broken souls with smiling faces fighting for surrender for the now and the after. Just look around and you'll see that people are scared to say how they really feel. Oh, we all need a little honesty. You are loved. If your heart's in a thousand pieces, if you're lost and you're far from reason, just look up. Know you are loved. Just look up and know you are loved. When it feels like something's missing, if it hurts but you can't find healing, just look up. Know you are loved. Just look up. Know you are loved. We're not made to be superheroes, photoshopped, all size zeros, a light not expected but not quite perfected yet, 
Look up. See, the sun is shining. There's hope on a new horizon calling you. It's calling. You are loved. If your heart's in a thousand pieces, if you're lost and you're far from reason, just look up. Know you are loved. Just look up and know you are loved. When it feels like something's missing, if it hurts but you can't find healing, just look up. Know you are loved. Just look up. Know you are loved. You don't have to prove yourself. Don't try to be someone else. You don't have to prove yourself. Don't try to be someone else. You are loved. Just look up. You are loved. Just look up. You are loved. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this section of the book. Please subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. The book Crushed is available on Amazon, and the audiobook version will soon be available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Again, my name is Linda Bjork. You can find more information by searching for Linda Bjork Hope for Healing, Linda Bjork Two Good Things, and Linda Bjork Innovative Joy. In closing, I'd like to leave you with an inspirational quote by Henry Nguyen. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. I hope that today you choose joy. See you next time on Linda's Corner.